Hallelujah. Father, I thank you in advance. That I will be changed. No, we need to, we're going to change that after today. Let's do it. Let's do it this way. Listen to me. Father, I thank you in advance. Father, I thank you in advance. That I am always changed. That I am always changed. By my time spent in worship. By my time spent in worship. And in the word. And in the word. Go to the next one. <laughs> thank you, Lord. I am a believer. I am a believer. And not a doubter. Not a doubter. Therefore. Therefore. All things are possible for me. Let's do that one again. Listen, this is not, this is not, uh, uh, we're not doing this for no reason. We're doing this because you need to get this in your system. Amen. That's why we do this. We do it because you need to get it in your system. I am a believer. I am a believer. And not a doubter. Not a doubter. Therefore, Therefore, all things are possible for me. All now you might have said that and you might say, I'm the scariest person in my, my neighborhood. <laughs> but you, you say these things because you are bringing about change as you say them. Yes, amen. If you're scary, then you sure need to be saying. Remember what we learned? We call those things that be not as though they are. Call the word call means to summons. So when I'm when I'm saying it, I'm bringing it to me. I'm a believer. Whatever God said that I confess, I'm bringing it to me. Hallelujah. All right, so let's do it again. I'm a believer, I'm a believer. and not a doubter. Not a doubter. Therefore, Therefore, all things are possible for me. All things are possible for me. I recognize, I recognize that is not by my might. Nor by my power, but by your spirit, working mightily in me, which I overcome, any adversity that I may face on our journey. I am not afraid of what sickness can do to me, because by your stripes, I'm already healed. I'm not afraid of financial lack. Because all my needs are met according to your riches and glory. Therefore, I live out of your pocket and not mine. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I cannot be overcome. No, 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 no. By depression. Because you have gifted me with your peace that passes all understanding and you won't take it back I am an overcomer because you overcame and I cannot be stopped and I won't be stopped I love you Lord because you're a good good father amen give the Lord a tremendous shout Amen. Okay, now you can sit back down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, that the confessions are important. If yeah. you don't have it, wrote down, you need to write it down. Thank you. you can get it from Ashley. Uh but but they're important. If you don't have it wrote down, you need to write it down. Again, you you gonna have the Bible says that you will have what you say. It don't say say what you have, it'll you shall have what you say. Amen. Amen. We need to get back. We haven't taught that in a long time. I think some of y'all are lapsing on the whole thing. You shall have what you say, not say what you have. Amen. All right. And, and now, because 
traditionally in church, uh, we have we have learned and, and we have we have learned and we know that God is a comforting God, and church should be a comforting place. Is that right? But but we have made we have we have received and taught the wrong kind of comfort. We've taught traditionally in church, not in this church, but in church over a lot of churches, they teach that comfort is, you know, I can just come here and be comfortable. That means God don't expect nothing of me. He's going to give me everything and I can just come here and be comfortable. And so we can, we, we, when start, somebody start putting pressure on you to do something about your circumstances, then that makes you uncomfortable. When I start saying it's you, and, it, and the Bible says that, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, and that victory is near you, even in your own mouth, that makes you uncomfortable. Hmm. When you understand that, hey, look, I have a role, I have a part to play. It's my faith, yeah. my obedience, and my effort that brings me victory. This is this is the way God set it up. And so it's not just when you're going to sit there and you're going to cry and feel bad for yourself and stuff's going to change. You might get it like once or twice to happen like that, but that's not going to bring you perpetual victory that God wants you to have. God wants you to have a say in whether you have victory in your life or not. And doing this, what we just did here, not just this confession, but confession of scripture, period, will cause things to change in your life. He said, you, the, listen, the children of Israel, God said, God did this big thing. He said, Moses, he said, the cries, the, the cries have come to my ear. They want deliverance. I heard them crying. I need you to go get them. And so God sends Moses over there to go get them and, and go through all this trouble to get them out of there. Right? And so Moses, they, God does, that, does his part to the teeth. Say one stuttering dude over there with one dude that gave him a partner that wasn't faithful, right? I mean, it was, it was you're talking about a ragtag team, the Bad News Bears, Moses and Aaron. That wasn't a cool, a good team. One dude said, I can't talk, I stutter. The other dude did not faithful. As soon as Moses turned his back, he's sneaking and, and tripping with the people. Sneaking and tripping. Right, that's what he's doing. So then they get over there, God does all this stuff, get them out of there. It made the, the Egyptians give them all of their valuables, walk across over there, get to that water, they start complaining at the water. Oh, we doomed this hopeless, it's not gonna ever work out there. God opens up the water, they walk across, not even in the mud. Come on now. They walk across on dry ground. Get over there to the other side, God say, that's, that's part one. Y'all feeling good about that victory? That's only part one. Now we're fixing to go into all of the ice and take their stuff. Because I said it belonged to y'all. And so they get over there and they go spy out the land and they come back and they say, two guys came back and said we can do it and ten guys said we can't do it. So God said to them, so have you spoken in my ear, so shall I do. You're going to have what you say. You say you can't, that's what you'll have. The two guys that said they could, that's what they got. It's up to you. If you say I can't, I can't afford, I'm not going to be able to, God won't do it, this ain't going to happen, that's what you're going to get. And it ain't got nothing to do with church. It's got everything to do with God. So if you came to looking for comfort and peace and somebody that's not going to challenge you, matter of fact, you didn't just come to the wrong church. 
You you messing with the wrong God. Because that God does not exist. Oh, just sit there. We already saw how he dealt with the one who just sat there. We preached that for months. You gave me something to be responsible for, God. I dug a hole and stuck it in there. And so now you came back because that made me comfortable and churches for nice people. Here is your stuff back that I didn't do nothing with. And it's written in red. He said, you're fearful, you're lazy, and you're wicked. He didn't just say, that's okay. That's not, that's not the God that we serve. Victory can be yours if you choose. If you choose. And that's all you're going to hear me say. I don't care on my worst day because I'm programmed for that to come out of my mouth. And you want to know the good part about that being programmed for me to come out of my mouth? So even when I'm having a bad time, I, it's hard for me to say negative things to myself. Because I program myself to only say what God says about me. Man, don't ever underestimate your habits. That's why you should just do it in spite of how you feel. You should just do it. In spite of how you feel, you should just do it. Well, Lord, this morning, we thank you, God, for another opportunity to learn something from you. And I pray I need your help to communicate this to them uh, the way you communicated it to me. Uh, don't let me be hard-headed and try to go my own way. Let me say it exactly the way you gave it to me. Help me, help me, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. You going to sit down? All right. Okay, so Listen. We have been, we've been talking, going through this generous giving series, and we've been talking about giving, we've been learning some about giving. Um, it's changed some people, there have people with testimonies and amazing things going on since we started doing this, and I don't think God is finished. I think today will be a new beginning, it won't even put a cap on it. It's a new beginning of an attitude and a respect for giving. So what I want you to do right now is, I want you to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And the theme for today is that your offering has power. Your offering has power. Not only do God's words have power, but your offering, the principle of giving, has power. It has power. And and this... I've heard it preached many times. I've preached it many times myself. But I saw something in this today uh, that that blew me away. Uh, I saw a pattern that is that is even more prevalent than I I originally thought. And so I have numerous examples. And for for my time, I'm going to uh, get as many of them in as I think we can handle. And then we'll take our foot off the gas and land the plane. Amen. So we talked about holy place there in Second Corinthians, but we talked about we ended last week's message talking about uh, giving and talking about I guess we, we alluded to I didn't use those terms that they're power and giving, but we talked about how when everything was on the line that giving was the method that God chose to regain everything that was at risk. Right. Giving was the method that God chose to regain everything that was at risk. 
And so the Bible says, and everybody quotes it, everybody knows John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? So this is the thing that God chose to redeem mankind, the lost mankind. He chose to give one son so that he might gain many sons. Because he believed in this principle of seed time and harvest. We, we talked about Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says, as long as the earth remains, there shall be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. Right? So we, we agreed that summer and winter still comes. We, we showed them about summer, right? Uh, we believe that uh, 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 cold and heat still comes. We, we know that. You know, it's hot and it's cold. We're getting a little bit of cold weather in a minute. We believe those things are still happening. So seed time and harvest is still going on. The Bible says in the book of Genesis, when God created everything, he put the seed inside of the thing that he made that was alive to be able to reproduce after its own kind. Somebody say that with me. Say, after its own kind. Say that one more time. Say that the seed is directed by God to reproduce after its own kind. I have shared with you that six months into my uh, my salvation, I learned, I, I heard a man, I can't even tell you who it was, that he was teaching about giving. And he made, he said this line, he said, you can't plant uh, peas and expect to get corn. I shut the tape off, went, and that was the first time I paid my tithes. Shut the tape off. I, I, it made sense. And I'm not even a farmer, I wasn't even a country boy then. You can't plant peas and expect to grow corn. Does that, does that make sense? Why can't you do that? Because the Bible says that every seed reproduces after its kind. Now you can take one dog and breed it with a different breed of dog, but a monkey is not going to come out. A dog is going to come out because the seed reproduces after its own kind. I heard Bishop Jake's teaching about this the other day, talking about uh, the difference between fraternal twins and identical twins. I think Pastor Ben sent me that that message. Good. But he was talking about that, that fraternal twins are a result of two eggs. And identical twins is one egg that splits. So in both cases, you got twins, the identical twins come from the same egg that's split, but the fraternal twins come from two different eggs. That's why they, they can come out and be twins and not look anything alike. Right? You say, y'all twins? You don't look nothing alike. Well, it's two different eggs. Right? But the principle, of, you see, the principle of seed time and harvest still works. Even though they don't look alike, they still have the same blood and the DNA and everything that came from the parents. Right? So every seed reproduces after its own kind. You ain't gonna, you're not gonna be mixing, putting two things, like, like my kids. My kids, they, they, they look, uh, Zach and Isaiah, uh, Kendrick, they don't, they, they don't look, uh, the same, exact same. Right? Uh, Desiree, they don't look all look the exact, exact same because there's all kinds of mixtures in there for some of them, right? But the ones, the, the two that we made together, they don't look the exact same, right? And matter of fact, I think if you look at my pictures when I was, when I was his age, I think I started putting on weight right around his age. 
But but his picture, my picture, his face looked just like me. Right? Now Isaiah don't look that much like me. He looks and looks and built more like his mom. Right? And so Kendrick don't look that much like his mama. He looks like me. Right? So there's this mixture in between there. But understand, they reproduce after they people. Right? And, and none of them was a monkey. None of them. You know, listen. Listen, monkeys don't, monkeys don't never make people. Evolution, we evolved. No. Listen, we were at the zoo just a couple months ago. Take it from me. It still got chimpanzees and gorillas. They, they, listen, listen, ain't nobody ever been shocked at the zoo and say, look, look, look at what we have here. It's a newborn human. No, no. It's nothing but a monkey. Because the seed reproduces after its own kind. It's a monkey. So whatever you plant, that's what you're gonna get out the ground. So listen, it's not about, you know, I don't, listen, one thing, as, as your, as it relates to your confession, you have to confess what is true. What God said, or it will not work. But the pastor said that if I just speak it, I can name it and I can claim it. So you go back there and plant corn in your backyard hoping for tomatoes, you're gonna be a tomato plant. But that's, that's contradictory to what the word said. But I, but I can claim that I'm gonna get good, uh, corn. If I plant corn, I'm gonna get good corn. I can confess that because the seeds reproduce after its own kind. So, so when you, and I say that to say this, that people, well, as it pertains to giving, people say, well, hey, look, you know what? And, and man, every, listen, I want you to understand something. If it's you right now, if it's been you before, I will, it, it's not about the person. It's not about the church. It's not about where the offering goes. It's not about any of those things. When you say, when I can give straight to God, then I will give. Right, that's 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 not you you know that's not gonna happen, and you don't read your Bible because God told you what to do with the money. If you say that when they when, you know like you go to the bank, when I say give it straight to God, if when they build one of them shoots up to heaven, then I'll give them. Some people say that stupid thing like right there. Then I'll give to God. But God said I don't need your money, man. We load it up here anyway, chief. We the stuff that you value, we walk on that. So you need it down there. Let's look at this. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says, for though we walk after the flesh, we live on the planet, we walk after the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the, listen, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. So the Bible says that though we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So let's look at some definitions in the strong, in the Greek here. Let's look at the definition of weapon. Right? So it's Strong's number 3696. And the definition of weapon is a utensil or tool, literally or figuratively, especially offensive for war. A utensil or tool, literally or figuratively, especially offensive for war. Armor, instrument, or weapon. Right? Um, So listen, so... 
it's, if we, we just looked up, the, we, we read the scripture, says the weapons of warfare are not carnal, we read what it is. Weapon is a tool or utensil for war. So that means that anything that you can use uh, as an offensive thing that will gain ground on your enemy, right, can be, can be used as a weapon, right, can be called a weapon. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Ephesians six. Let's start at verse ten. We'll go through verse twelve. Ephesians six ten says, "Finally, brothers, brethren." Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So our battle from a spiritual perspective is a spiritual battle. Remember, we are... Humans, we got a body, but we're spirits, uh, we're spirits and souls that are living inside of this body, right? So we on, we, we look at the flesh according to everything. You judge people according to how they look, how they dress, this, that, and the other. They could be as close to God as anybody you ever known, but you're looking at the outside. You live according to the flesh. But the person could, could tell you things to help you get closer to God, this, that, and the other. You judge them because of how they look, this, that, and the other. All this. We, that's, that's the way we roll. As soon as we see somebody, we size them up and think, you know, I know what they're about. Right, but you really might not know what they're about. They might be, they may be amazing people. But the Bible says that the, the, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And the weapons of our warfare in this battle are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There was a movie that got made sometime back. I think it was called The End of Days, in which Arnold Schwarzenegger he was fighting the devil. Stupid movie. Because that don't happen. Now I want to show you something. Again, we, we look what weapon. A weapon is a utensil or a tool that is used for warfare. And we learn that our warfare is a spiritual warfare. So what things can help, can help us in a spiritual battle? Of course it talks about this, uh, the word of God. And we, we, we got, that's, that's going to be our major tool. Or in, we're going to pull out the, the suitcase of the Word of God to use this particular tool this morning. But we got different weapons in, in, at our disposal in our spiritual fight. It's not our physical guns are not going to help us against the devil. They're not going to help us. Right? It don't matter how good you can box, no matter how good you can run, because it's a spiritual battle. Right? So one of the, one of the weapons, even according here, let's, let's read it here. Uh, verse 13 in Ephesians 6. It says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
That sword of the Spirit is your only offensive weapon right there. Listen in here. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right? So we're going to look into the Word of God, and we're, I'm going to show you a tool, or I'm going to show you a weapon that we can use spiritually that should be used every time you need to take ground. And we're going to look at some examples from And, I, and, and strangely enough, that's your offering. Uh, let's turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 15. Judges 6, 15. It was an offering that, well, I'll say this, an offering played a huge part. It was the initial thing that Gideon did in order to win his battle. Everybody knows this famous battle of Gideon's 300, right? Gideon had 30,000 guys dwelling down to 300 people, and they had to take on thousands of people. But I want you to see what happened here in the situation. Uh, starting at, what did I say? Six, starting at 15. It says, so he said unto him, oh my Lord. Now Gideon was frustrated at first, and then God told him, gave him directions to go ahead. He wanted to do something for God. He wanted to go and fight this battle for God, and he wanted to know, was he going to win? And, uh, and here's his statement right here with God. So he said unto him, oh my Lord. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Have you ever sought out, uh, started out to do something and you felt like you didn't have what it took to get the job done? So here's Gideon in the same boat. He said, I am the least in my father's house, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and I will, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk to me. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out of, bring out my offering and set it before you. So Gideon said, Gideon's here having this conversation with who he believes is God. He said, I need a sign. He said, I'm going to go get an offering and I'm going to set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So if this is God that he's talking to here, God says, cool, I'm going to receive. You're going to give it, I'm going to receive it. I'm going along with this system of sowing and reaping here, right? Giving this offering. Uh, and he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went and uh, uh, prepared a young goat and unleavened bread. Somebody say unleavened bread. From an ephod flour. Then uh, the meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And he brought them to him under the, the terebinth uh, tree and presented them. The angel said, angel of God said unto him, take the meat of the unleavened bread and lay them uh, on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put out the, the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel said to the Lord, the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord my God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So here's Gideon inquiring, saying that he's weak, inquiring about this battle. And he says, that what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give an offering. Right? God is saying, this is you I'm fixing to give an offering. Now watch, let's see what happens. He said, well, that don't, that don't prove nothing, preacher. Uh, go to Judges chapter 7, verse 24. We got a few examples. You might be able to dismiss one, this one as a coincidence if you want to. 
wouldn't be smart. Judges chapter 7. What did I say, verse 24? All right. So we see that Gideon is, first we just read Gideon was talking to the Lord. He said, if it's you, I'm going to present this offering. And then the angel stood there, put his staff on the rock. The rock got hot, consumed up the offering. Now, I ain't never seen nobody that wasn't divine that had to be some godly situation. He put the staff stick on the rock and the rock got hot. I deal with fire all the time and use this the other way around. The fire gets the stick hot. When I'm over there smoking that barbecue, the fire gets the stick hot. But he did it the whole other way around. He took the stick and put it on the rock and the rock got hot. Right? So that, that has to be God, right? So that, the offering is consumed. Gideon even said, hey, this got to be God. Verse 24. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize from them watering. Hold on, I think I'm in the wrong place. Judges 7, 24, what I see. Let me back up. Yeah. Okay. Go back to verse 9. Yeah, 7, 9. And it happened on the same night. Somebody say the same night. That the Lord said unto him, Arise and go against the camp, for I have delivered them into your hand, but you are afraid to go down. Now, understand that in this process, Gideon's dwindled down from 30,000 to 300. And, and so by this point, you got 300 going against so many people. You, if you're not scared, you're crazy. Okay? Because he started off saying, whoever's scared, you can go home. And then they lost a whole bunch from that point. Right. Then he came back. He said, see how they left the water, who left the water like a dog. They lost some more. Right. So then he came back with the first question of scared. So there's one scared with 30,000. Y'all, you shouldn't have been scared. That means y'all ain't going to be no good to us anyway. And by the the time you get down to 300, if you're scared, then if you ain't scared, you're crazy. All right. Okay, so they're down to the 300 people. And this we pick up the story right here. So it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, arise and go down against the camp. For I have delivered them into your hand, but you are afraid to go down. Go down. Uh, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. Afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down uh, against the camp. Then they went down to Pura with Pura. He went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley and as numerous as locusts. 300 dudes against all these people. Right? Now he started off wanting to know, was this God? Right? He believed that the angel, that God was with him. So now, but God, we done lost all our folks and I'm shook up again. I need some more reassuring. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people in the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number and as the sand of the seashore in a multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling the dream to his companion. Right? So God said, so, so first he gives the offering to God, the meat and the bread. Somebody say bread. bread. All right. So then he gets over there and God said, I want you to go check it out. You're going to hear something when you go that's going to give you strength to be able to go and whoop them with the 300 that you got. Right? That had to be something big. And so he goes over there. And he gets, and he's there and he's listening. Right? What verse we in? Verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling his dream to the companion and said, 
I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread. Somebody say bread. bread. A loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and it came to my tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Now, that, that, listen, some, some dreams are pizza. I don't think this one's pizza. The man makes an offering of meat and an offering of bread. God tells him to sneak over and tip over into the camp and listen and hear what they're saying. And he just happens on. Now, it says the people were as numerous as locusts. Too many coincidences to dismiss. And he just happened upon the one telling the story about the dream. Now, it wasn't a situation where he got FBI devices. And he can pick what conversation he wanted to hear. Whatever he, uh, the people numerous as locusts, camels as, as the seashore, and he happened on this one particular conversation. And the brother said, I had a dream. I had a dream that a, uh, that a loaf of bread rolled into the camp and knocked over my tent. And Gideon's there listening to him. God said, you're going to hear the conversation that's going to make, give you strength and give you confidence. Uh, so then, so then verse 14, the companion answered and said, now, now listen, listen, too many coincidences. The companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon. Remember what we said about our spiritual weapons. The sword is the only offensive one, right? So here's the word of God coming to Gideon about concerning God's reassuring him and telling him, listen, that was, as he proved to him at first, when you gave me the meat and the bread and the angel sopped it up, we gave me that offering, that was me. Now I'm fixing to let you hear some more about the bread that you gave that initiated the whole thing. The one conversation that that, that was initiated by an offering of bread. And it was so when Gideon uh, heard verse 16, 15. It was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream, it was the interpretation and he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Get up! For the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into our hands. The offering is working. My offering is working. I'm telling you, you can use your offering like a weapon. You say, Pastor, that sounds good. Okay. Let's keep going. Y'all already know me. I'm not going to be one shot example because I know y'all already scared and don't want to don't want to ride with me anyway. I just tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. First Kings chapter 18. No, 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 no. To jump ahead of myself too far. Jump ahead of myself too far. I'm not going to read these because we should know these. Do you remember after Elijah told Ahab and Jezebel, he said, listen, it's not going to be rain for two years. You guys have turned aside and started worshiping other gods. There's not going to be no rain coming for two years. Right. And so then they were so upset with Elijah, they were looking for Elijah. Right. But God told Elijah, he said, listen, even though they're going to be thirsty and they're going to be starving, I know where the water at. He said, so I want you to go over here to this uh, this one place, this brook. 
And I want you to drink water from the brook. And not only that, you know, while they over there having all kinds of trouble affected by the water, you're going to be over here. I'm going to make the birds bring you steaks at night. And you're going to have water to drink from. It don't matter what's going on with them. You're going to be over here because you're blessed. You are empowered to succeed. My, my power to succeed is on you. So he's over there. And then after a while, I want you to understand this. The water dried up in the brook. So this is the point I want you to get. That, that even though when God is dealing with folks and dealing with situations, it can affect you to a degree. Even when, it, when he's dealing with other folks, it can affect you to a degree. But it won't stay on you. You just have to understand that, hey, listen, I'm keep passing through the thing. Because God told me, say, this water here done dried up. But I got another lady over here that's going, she, you know, she, she don't know what she got, but she got something that's going to keep you going for a little while longer. So he sends him over there to the woman, and, and we, 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 rehearsed, we talked about this just not long ago, but the woman's over there, and she's suicidal. She says, I'm out of everything. I've been affected, too. She said, I got a little bit of oil, and I got some bread, I'm going to make a cake, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. We don't got nothing else. That's all we got. We're down to our last. And Eliza tells her, he says, well, I, I, I serve a God who can use your offering as a weapon. Come on now. So what I want you to do, I want you to apply this principle of the offering and you make me a cake first. Yeah, more bread. Yeah, mas, mas pan. Yeah. I want you to make me a cake first before y'all do the eating and dying. Give me the offering. And let's see what God do. And so what did she do? She had it out. She had the opportunity. She could have said, no, no, sir, I don't believe. But the Bible says, believe you the prophet, so shall you prosper. And this is the prophet talking to her. And so what does she do? She gives him the offering. Now, some people will say, and I, you know, and they, they do that to the preacher, all those crooked preacher trying to get their money, you know, trying to get another crooked preacher, wrote down the Bible, trying to get the money. Ain't just, just like a preacher. The woman says she ain't hardly got nothing, and he want that what she got. <laughs> but you understand, the preacher's under the instruction of God, not under the emotions of the people. The preacher's under the instructions of God, not under the emotions of the people. And so he, he understands that the principle of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, and that you can use your offering like a weapon. Yes, and so he tells her, hey, look, make me a cake first. So she did that, took a chance, gave it to him. Listen, you sit around there talking about I ain't got but $5. I'm all, I got to hold on to it. That $5 ain't going to take you past the block. Turn that, that, that $5, $5 into a weapon. So she gave it to him, and the Bible says that they ate many days after the situation happened. So God multiplied tremendously enough for her, so she didn't have to die. And she had food when other folks didn't. Not only that, but after a while, the Bible says that her son died. Elijah was dealing with these dying sons. No, that was Elijah dealing with this dying. Elijah had to deal with a dead son too. And so it said her son died, so Eliza goes, uh, goes over there, and she came to Eliza, and she said, why did you come over here just to bring this trouble on me? Yeah. Now, ma'am, you was about to, you know, if it's me, I couldn't have been, see, that's why they couldn't have me in here. <laughs> because if it's me, I'm like, look, baby girl, I showed up over here a while ago, and you said you was fixing to die. <laughs> and we got you fed for many days after that, and now you're blaming me because of what then happened to the, to the boy. But nonetheless, I'll go get him up. <laughs> Give him to me. So the Bible says he took, the, took him upstairs. Something about taking him upstairs. He prayed for him. And the boy came back. Yeah. Right? So listen, look at what her offering did. Not only did it provide for her stomach, but it provided for her seed. 
Not only did it provide for her stomach, but it provided for her children. Because your offering got power. That's two examples. Gideon and uh, the widow woman. Let's keep going. They're all over the Bible. We're just going to do a few. I want to I finish on time this morning. We also went over the fact that when Solomon became king, the Bible says that he offered a thousand burnt offerings. And it was Solomon's offering that brought the presence of God to him and asked him, what can I do for you? Because your offering can be used as a weapon. Now understand that it was Solomon's offering, again, because what? What did we learn during the stingy thing? We learned that it's a condition of your heart. And that it's about fear when you don't want to give, right? Yeah. Stingy is fear. And the Bible, and we also learned the very first uh, message that we did that we can find a GPS to your heart based on your wallet or your purse. Right. Because the Bible says where a man's heart is, there will his treasure be also. Is that right? And so uh, it, God's after your heart, but God understands I can't get your heart if you're going to keep clutching your wallet. Because we work hard for our money. Right? And, and so that's our most precious, our values, our possessions. Man, I ain't trying to get off of that. What, remember we, we learned about the rich young ruler. What did the rich young ruler say? He said, good master, what must I do to uh, have eternal life? He said, well, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. And, and the dude said, the robber said he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. And we learned also that God, Jesus was extended to him an opportunity to become a disciple. Now the disciples are wrote, written about in this book in a good way. He is not. The disciples opened the eyes of the blind. The disciples did many miracles. This brother had an opportunity, but Jesus told him, one thing thou lacks. Come on now. He, he said, he didn't say I need to take something from you. He said, I want to add something to you. But the brother did not understand the power of the offering. Yeah. Now, let me connect this to the disciples again. You remember when they were having that, that problem? The Bible even further down in this passage, Jesus said how hard it is for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Then Peter said, "Well, who then can be saved?" In other words, we all we 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 don't we we don't just go around broke. Well, it's not our culture to be broke. So who can be saved? Jesus said, "With God, all things are possible, but with man, some the things are not impossible." So so a right relationship with money with God is a doable thing. You can have great possessions with God. Right? And, and, and be right with God. But if you ain't got no relationship with God, your great possessions, you ain't gonna do nothing but, but misuse it and squander it on, on other things, right? So, uh, the, the disciples are having this discussion, and he, they asked him, like, well, well, who's gonna be the greatest? And he told them, he said, the servant of all is gonna be the greatest. It's not, it's not about what, what you have, what you hold on to, it's about what you're willing to give. You're, listen, it's inclusive of your money, not only your money, but your time, your talent, and your treasure. What are you willing to give to God? If you're not willing to give to God your offering of your money, you're not willing to give to God the offering of your time, if you're not willing to give to God the offering of your talents, right, then what you're doing is you're limiting what God can give to you. It's a give-give relationship. There is power in what you offer to God. There are times when you are supposed to receive offerings, and there are times when you are not supposed to receive offerings. 
You say, man, that sounds stupid, Pastor. But it's not. Because Elisha was there and, and Naaman brought forth a tremendous offering to give to Elisha. And Elisha said, no, we can't, this is not the time for us to receive the money. And there's, there was a time in here, you've seen me do it. Maybe you missed it or maybe you did. One time we're taking up offering, Russell Rock, no, you can't, you can't, I'm not going to let you give that much. The other people need to give. That's the right, that's the right way to do everything. I wasn't even going to do this, this generous giving this year. But the Lord said, no, I want you to go ahead and do it. And that's why we did it. There's a time. That's why I don't come in here and ask, you know, this is the only time we do special offering for, for the church in the year. Now you're going to hold me that if some emergency come up, then we'll have to do it. But I don't come in here asking you for, you know, count up the money, see how much we got, and we need to get some more. Can y'all do it again? We don't do that because my, because God is my source. I trust God. You know, people could sit in here and not do anything. And God gonna keep the boat floating. But I mean, after 25, 26 years of serving God, I understand that. I look back in my life and see, well, what person has taken care of me all these 25, 26 years in my service to God? There's not a person. There are several people that God has used, but there's not one person. God is the only constant. And, and, I'm talking, and listen, prove that that was him, it was him, because it put me in impossible situations where it seemed like no other way it could work out. There was no way. So God says that that's how I do it when there's no way. I'm the God of no way. Yes. Hallelujah. And so, uh, I, I, it's not about people. It's not about, listen, this, I want you to understand something. This time that we spent and this, what we're doing here right now, this is for you. Oh yeah, church gonna, church gonna use it. We'll be able to take care of some stuff. But I mean, if a nickel didn't come in, we're still gonna take care of it. I mean, what I say. Look me in my eye and see if you think I'm lying. I got that kind of confidence. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a slick preacher. Slick preacher's a coward. I, my whole time in ministry, I had to work because I, I just hate asking people for money. I always did stuff to make money. Always. If it ain't enough, then I got to go get it from somewhere else. Or that means I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do. Can't be slick preachers. Slick preachers cowards. Having to, you shouldn't respect no coward. I'm just going to tell you what's real for you. Put the opportunity in front of you, and then if you take advantage of the opportunity, praise the Lord, saints. Amen. If you don't, then you know maybe next time when the boat come around, you jump on. So there's a time to receive offerings. There's a time not to receive offerings. The Bible says, let us read this. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 26. We're going to read 1 through 5, and then we're going to read verse... Oh, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Let's, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. That's where we're going to go. But I'm going to tell you about this as you turn over there. The Bible says that Isaac sold in a time of famine, when everybody else was, was starving... He sold in a time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. He sold because of the power of giving. You say, well, remember we learned in Ecclesiastes, it said, he who regards the wind will not sow. Right? So you'll you be worried about your circumstances and everything else that's going on. There are certain times when it's not about whether you want to give an offering. There are certain times when you need to give an offering. There are certain times when you need to give, because there is power in giving Offering. 
And I want to I want to show you somebody in first Kings chapter 18 who understood this principle that we're talking about this morning, that there is a need to give to God what the thing that you need the most. You say, God, I need this from you. There is a need. The principle of sowing and reaping is how we receive. God set this principle in motion from the very beginning. The book of Genesis starts out saying, in the beginning, God. And then it gives a list of all the stuff that God went off doing in there. So God set this principle of the seed time and the harvest time when he first began creation. And those people that are close to God understand this principle and we work it. It's a blessing when you come in here on the first of the week, which is Sunday, and you give a portion of that which God has blessed you with. First, you give God what belongs to him. 10% belongs to me if we're in covenant. We, we got agreement. You give me my 10% and then you give an offering on top. It's a blessing for you to be able to do that because you're participating in what he created and what he started from the book of Genesis. You, he's giving you an opportunity to participate in that. Are we in First uh, Kings chapter 18? All right. Let me get over there. First Kings 18, 30. Who? First Kings eighteen thirty. What's it? What's it read right there? Right. Okay. Okay. So let me sum this situation up here. This is where we started this message from. As I said before, Elijah. The Lord told Elijah, he said, listen, the people have turned their hearts. You can read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 11. God said, if you ever turn away, I'm going to shut up the heavens. And if you turn your heart back, I'll open them again. So Elijah, listen. Let's go there. I'm trying to finish. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verse 13. <clears throat> Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, And it's shut. Uh, everybody over there yet? Yes. Oh. We're going to go 13 to... Yeah, 13 to 15. So... It says, and it shall come to pass that if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandment, which I command you this day, to love the Lord thy God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather together in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. Keep going. And I will send the grass of thy fields to thy cattle that thou mayest be full. Keep going. Verse 16. Take heed to yourselves that your heart not be deceived, and then you turn aside to serve other gods and worship them. Keep going. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shall shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth thee. So Elisha here was not coming up with this stuff by himself. This was already written. God had already said this. If y'all start tripping, I'm going to shut the water off. If you get your heart right, I'm going to turn it back on. 
I want you to understand there is power in the word of God. The man of God was doing nothing but confessing what was already written. He can't just step out there and say, oh, I'm shutting the water off because I feel like it. No, they had turned aside, worshiping other gods, and, and fell into the hands of this scripture. And he shut the water off. There ain't going to be no more rain. But when they turned their hearts back, then he cut the water back on. Right? Everything, listen, God ain't going to, you can't just do stuff because you want to do it. It's got to be a result of the word of God. Amen? Okay, so now let's go back to uh, verse 30. This is where we're picking this whole thing up again. The people was 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 tripping, and so he shut the water off, and there was a manhunt out for Elijah. And he was all over the place, so God told him, he said, listen. He said, I want you to go back over there. The people have turned their hearts back, you know, and that usually happens when, you, when you're when going through something. You, you find God again. Stuff get easy, then you, you can't find your way to church with your car, and you find your way to the beach. And you find your way to these other places and all this other kind of stuff. But then when stuff get hard and you can't pay for that same car and you don't have no gas to put in that same car, all of a sudden it just seems that the GPS take you to the church house. Yeah. So then their hearts got right. They turned their hearts back to God because they don't got nothing to eat. They can't feed the cows. They ain't got hardly no water to drink. There's no salads. You know, uh, every, everything is messed up because of the lack of the water. So the people's hearts got right, and we find ourselves in this point right here. Verse 30. Then Elijah, so here's Elijah in front of the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal have tried to call down water. They, told, well, they had a contest calling down fire. They tried to get breakthrough. It's 400 of them against one Elijah. They're cutting themselves. They're doing all kind of crazy stuff to try to get this thing to work. But Elijah says, listen, you guys don't understand the one principle to get the hand of God to move when you need him to move. But I'm fixing to show you all that. So he, so he's there and he's, they're all upset. They done tried everything that they could try. And they failed. It, it still wasn't working. First, then we pick it up at verse 30. Then Elijah said unto the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord and it was, that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold uh, two seeds of seed. And then he put the wood in order, and he cut the bull in pieces, and he laid down the wood and said, fill the water pots with water and pour it on the burnt of the sacrifice on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran out of the altar that filled the trench of water. The Bible says that he put four pots of water in the altar that he built. Now we have to understand what was the problem. What was the problem? There was no water. The king and the queen were hunting this man because there was no water. And so they were having a contest to call down fire. But the man said, cut up the meat, put the seeds in there. He built the trench and he says, dump water in this trench. Now, it don't make no sense to put wastewater on something when you ain't hardly got none. But he understood the the, the power of the principle of the offering. 
He understood that was power when you give. He understood that in, that God implemented seed time and harvest from the very beginning. The thing that I need is the thing that I must give. Let's keep reading. What verse we stop at? Verse 35 says, So the water ran around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are a God in Israel, and I am your servant. Oh, I just saw something I didn't even see right now. And that I have done all these things at your word. You remember Gideon having a similar conversation with God, with his offering, right? That I have done all these things at your word. He says, hear me, Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart, they have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. It got hot again. And it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. That's the same thing Gideon said. The heat came off the rock. This time the heat just came from the top. Licked up the, the, the both times the offering was accepted. And both times God's power was extended. Watch this. We're not finished. What, what verse we stop at? 39. Verse 39. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let anyone escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And he executed them there. Now when we started off talking about the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. And we've seen numerous accounts, two in particular, where they were in battle. And the offering was used as a weapon to defeat the enemy. Verse 41. Then Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab got up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down to the ground. He put his face between his knees, and he said to the servant, go up now and look toward the sea. Oh, I'm getting excited right now. Ah! Now, everything else comes into play after the offering. After you plant the seed. The Bible says that he went up, he put his face between his knees. What is that all about? What's he doing? He's praying. See, I sold the seed. Now I pray. If you keep reading down through there, uh, and John Osteen preached a message called Seven Marks of a Man of Faith, I added the eighth. The Lord showed me the eighth one, which was the offering. So the offering goes first, then you pray, then you confess, then you believe. Come on now. So if I'm sitting up here and I've never said to God, I've never given anything to the cause, I can't be sitting up there telling God how he's going to bless and do anything, because I haven't did the first thing first. Come on now. Let me, let me ask you a question. You going to heaven if you never gave your heart to Jesus? So the offering of yourself had to come first before anything else good God came along. The offering came first. Elijah said, listen, bring me the thing that is most needed and we're going to give that to God. And after we give that to God, 
Now we're going to start with the prayer. Now we're going to start with the confession. Now we're going to continue with the confession. We're going to continue with the prayer. Because we, we did the first thing first. We deal with, we move all the hard stuff out the way. First, and we brought the offering. Now we're going to do the rest of it. Anytime you get yourself in a situation, and not just October with the church, when you find yourself in a situation where you have need of something, you got to work the process. I have need, I need to give seed. I need harvest, I need to plant seed. Or you can just make it a lifestyle and just say, I'm always giving, I always, I need it always coming. Because you're not, you're not the farmer and you go out there and plant one field of corn and then it's a wrap after that. Now I'm going to plant this, I'm going to harvest that, and I'm going to take some of what I have harvested and replant that. And then we're going to grow another field and I'm going to take some of that which I have harvested and I'm going to replant that. And then once that grows up, I'm going to take some of that, right, PB? I'm going to take some of that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this, this job. Because I look at you and, and, and I... Everything that I, I teach and I've taught, you exemplify more than anybody that I've ever seen. You picked it up and ran with it more than anybody I've ever seen. So you understand in your life that you give. The first time you sat down in that chair and we were talking about you coming here and you said to me, you said, I've been walking around with these ties. I've kept them for God to tell me where to bring them to. And you took out what, 780 bucks, something like that out of your pocket. And you, you, you saw, you said, it's where we're supposed to be. And then God began to talk to you and give you words and tell you your life was going to be different. Mm-hmm. And every time you go out and you work and you were faithful. And when others stop giving, that's, that's, what I, that's what I mean. It don't matter what you do. You can say, I'm not going to do it because God will send somebody else. Because his work is not going to stop. But not only did he send somebody else to be a blessing to the church. But your business has grown. And you are a giver. Does it work for you? It works for you. Has your life been better because you're faithful with your giving? When you have needs and you don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. Sir? <laughs> Sir? Ma'am? Yeah. But it's not a coincidental thing. It can be an on-purpose thing. Yeah. We're learning that, ain't we, Sherry? It can be an on-purpose thing. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. When you say, God, I need you to make an impact in my finances and my something material, you need to you need to sow in that direction. Amen. Every time it don't have to be you don't have to scrape out the bank account every time. It could be whatever God tells you to give. It could be ten dollars. Your obedience. But you got to do what God tells you to do. And this morning I had planned that we we're going to have us come up and say what we're giving. And this, that, and the other. I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. 
this, we started this to be between you and God, you got to finish this between you and God. Hallelujah. If it's real to you, I'm going to say this to you. This is going to be my new Fat Floyd slogan too. Don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Just because you're not going to stand in front of us and say what you're giving, don't cheat yourself. Because I, I don't care what you stand up here and say to me, I can't give you no blessing. All that I can do is tell you what the book says. Now the man who can extend the blessing know whether you, he know what you agreed to. I want everybody to stand up right now. Let me tell you something I, I, I learned around people who, around faith people. The, the superintendent of our district that retired, my friend's daddy, served in our district for over 20 years. And we went to the district council meeting. And they took up an offering for this man to be a blessing to him after 20 years of service. And they took up $60,000 for that man. Save your whistle. Suck the whistle back in. $60,000 for that man for 20 years of service. In a car. You see that? In the car. You say, whoa, that's a lot. I'd have been in the office, a church service where they took up an offering one service, not for one day. $60,000. Not for a church, for one dude. So you, so you, you owe the man, uh, 20 years of service with $60,000 and a car, which that's nice. But the difference is in how people believe. We believe we give you 60 grand for 20 years. Other person believe we can turn over sixty grand anytime we need it because you got people that believe. So in our case, we can be a church that always says, like we have said, we're barely making it. We're just barely getting by. We hope the Lord's gonna go no. Or we can say we cancel that, mm-hmm. and we always got what we need to take care of when it comes to stuff in the children, yes. or somebody comes or one of the members has a need. Anytime one of the members got a need, I always try to break them off something. I can never, I haven't been able to do what I wanted to do yet. But when you, when you bless, and it, what, do we have to have a, a thousand people here? Because let me tell you something. Uh, uh, Brother Russell talked the other day talking about the 80-20 rule. It's 20% of all the folks that do all the giving and do all of the work in the churches anyway. So, so we go into, you know, some church that maybe, let's say they got a thousand people in there, 200 people doing everything. The mother, uh, uh, 800 people showing up giving a dollar. So we just need to have a church full of 20%. Amen. No matter what size we are. At our size of 60, 65 right now, or when we get to 100, we're the whole 100 need to be a 20% church that give 100%. Amen. And that's less foolishness that we have to deal with. Because it's the 80% that, that, that always needs something. The 80% that suck up all your time. The 80% that don't have their stuff together. Because it's the 80% that don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't read their Bible. They do not pray and they do not give. 
And so they always got a problem. And the 20% always has to minister to them. So we just need to have a church full of 20% folks. That do what you're supposed to do when it's time to give. Read your Bible. That pray. Don't talk bad about folks. Oh man, that's a good church. And that's what we got right now. The Bible says where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Yes, sir. Unity in giving, mm-hmm. unity in service, unity in purpose, unity in love. He didn't say he suggests the blessing, he commands the blessing. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. And I, I go to fight with my three, I go to war with my 300 any day. Get in, like, how are we going to win it? We was 30,000, we down to 300. He said, because of 300, you got that 20 percenters. Yeah. Yeah. Other folks told you what they was at the beginning. It was good that they went home. That way you knew you couldn't, because you knew you, now at least you know you couldn't count on them. Chad, this is saying all kinds of stuff to you. Ain't. Let them go on home. Mm-hmm. Because they was going to run as soon as the shooting started anyway. <laughs> so the 300 you got, they crazy enough to die with you in the battle. You know they ain't going to run. All of our life and time in ministry has been about it's been about a few people getting the job done. Getting it done. So, at this point, I want you if you did it online, that's cool. Uh, if you brought it this morning, get your envelope. Um, and for those of you that are guests, just to bring you up to speed of what's going on, there's no pressure on you. This is something that we are doing as a church. No, we're going to sit them right there. Sit, sit them on there. Something that we're doing as a church about this time of year, sacrificial giving. And I want to say this, I will say this to you that we brought a portion of what we're going to do this morning, and then I have another uh, amount of it that I, we will continue to, to do. So if you say, hey, look, I want to do this, but I ain't got it. What you can do is you can give what you give this morning, and then you lump out the rest of it as... But I want you to understand something. You know what you need. Four barrels of water may not seem that much to us because we can go in the bathroom and run that out of the church bathroom as small as it is. <laughs> but they ain't have no water. That was probably the most expensive bottle of water you could ever get right there. Because they needed something huge to happen. Now I also want you to understand this too. That God told Elijah that he wanted to turn the water back on. He told Elijah, he said, I want to turn the water back on. But it didn't just get turned on. The seed still had to be planted. The praying still had to be done. The confession still had to be made. I want you to understand that in your life. There's lots of things that God wants to do for you. But you still have to do your part. Just because, let me tell you something. John 3.16 said God wanted to save you. But if you never would have said yes, guess what happens to you? So God can want to do something for you. But if you don't take the steps to get what God wants to get you, then 
You didn't do it, amen? Let's pray. This is what I want you to do. I don't want you to lift up your hand. You don't have to lift up your envelope. Because you might have gave it online. But I want you to, if you, if you gave, if you participate, I want you to lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. If you say I'm, I'm participating, I want you to lift up your hand. We're fixing to go, we're going to go Pentecostal here for a second. Don't scare nobody. Y'all done heard me preach. If you think I got good sense by now, I don't. Lord, I talked talk to you about this and I hadn't planned to do this. I had said I'm not going to do it this year. And as Gideon, I said, God, you know, if you want me to do it, show me. And you gave me a sign and you wanted me to do it. And I believe you wanted to do this for the same reason that you wanted to, uh, same reason you had uh, opportunity was there for the rich young ruler. You wanted to add something to our people. You want to teach us not to be afraid to give. Yes. Not to be afraid to give. And so that today, during this time, as we give, we extend to you what it is that we have agreed with you to believe to be able to give or to give this morning that God that this is our seed this is our seed that we place on the altar the same way Elijah built that altar and he dumped what was precious to him on the altar and if we continue in the story it says that he told Ahab to get thee down that the rain stopped him not. And God, the rain came down shortly after these things were done. And so, Lord, as we come and we present our offering, I have needs for our work that you and I are working on. And so, Lori and I, we, we present our offering. We present our offering according to our needs. You say whatever we, whatever measure we meet when we measure out, it'll be measured to us again. So we present our offering this morning. And every person here, God, who uh, couples that have consulted with their wives, that have purpose in their heart to sacrifice, We just, we trust you, God, that you will show up and you'll move and you'll show out in our life. That God, that there is something on the other side of our seed, that there is power in our offering. And not just this day, today, God, but every day that we all know that when we come in here on Sunday, there's not an issue. There's not a, we have to be pushed that we bring the tithe and we give an offering. Thank you, because we understand on the other side of our offering, is blessing and favor and increase. Yes, God. I want y'all to say this with me. Say, Lord, Lord, I am not afraid, I am not afraid to release to you, to release my, tithes to you my tithes and my offering. And my offering. You promise, you promise when I bring the tithe into the storehouse, when I bring the tithe to the storehouse, that you will open up the windows of heaven, that you will open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. And pour me out a blessing. 
Pour me out empowerment. Pour me out empowerment to succeed. To succeed. That I cannot contain. You promise, you promise that when I give, when I give it, shall be given unto me. it shall be given unto me. Good measure, Good measure. pressed down, down, and shaken together, together. running over, Run over, shall you cause men, shall you cause men to, give to, me. to give to me. You implement it. You, implement you create it. You create the principle of seed time and harvest. Seed time of and you said it shall never cease. And above this all, God, and above this all, you yourself, you yourself demonstrated, demonstrated the faithfulness, the faithfulness to, your own words to your own words by giving your son Jesus, by giving your son Jesus that you might gain many sons. So this morning, I surrender to you my faith. My faith my emotions, my emotions and my gift. And, my gift. And, I and I believe that I receive harvest, harvest. on my 28th, 2019, my 2019 generous giving gift. Generous giving gift. In, Jesus name, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can bring your gift if you gave it online. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Okay, okay. I'm giving this one. Put my. Uh, Put it up there. Yeah. Put that in there. Listen, because this is a, a real thing, I want everybody to stretch your hands right now. Stretch your hands right now. Big guy, you give some? You give some? Want you to miss it? Now, before you before you do that, I want you to understand something. I gave that money to you. You have to choose to give that money to God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, for your return on every seed that was sown. I thank you, God, for me, even more than that, that, God, that you moved on the hearts of your people and they took a step of faith. They trusted in you and they trusted in me that I am being truthful with them, that I am speaking on what I believe that you shared with me to do. I thank you for the growth in our members. I thank you, God, for that you're removing fear of giving, that you're in and, and, and removing fear of giving, you're removing the fear of lack. Yes, Father. 
You're removing uh, uh, the notion that you will not take care of us. So it frees us up to give or to take care of whatever we need to take care of. We're not afraid of our bills. We're not afraid of uh, of paying, uh, of, of needing to buy things that we need to buy. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of taking care of our business. We're not afraid of helping to take care of your business. We are not afraid of financial lack. Thank you, God. And we do declare that we live out of your pockets and not ours. Now, Lord, there are people that have laid down their offering here. Some have said this is a part of it, and I'll give the rest. And God, some of them don't know where the rest is going to come from, but you do. Or you wouldn't have never told them you was going to give it to them. So I just thank you that you're faithful on giving the rest. And we love you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is what I want you to do. I don't want to do this on a happy ending, a uh, uh, very happy ending. I want you to give the Lord, I want you to believe you receive. Whatever it is that you you sold your seed for, believe you receive. I know what I sold ours for. Oh, yeah. Just the good thing about God is that you can give a little bit and get back. Woo! Ten dollars. I told you about my ten dollars to one thousand that time. I don't know what the math is on that, but but that's about what I need. I didn't give ten dollars this time, but that's about what I, I need that multiplication again for this other deal. So you can give to God a little bit, and God will turn it over. They might not give you what He gives somebody else. You might need different, but God will do it. Amen. So I want you to right now believe you receive what it is that you need. You, God, I'm releasing this. I'm making a sacrifice. And I want you to believe you receive it. I want you to see yourself with it. Whatever that is. And I want you to feel the relief. If it's relief that you need, some of us need joy. So whatever, if it's relief or joy that you, that you need, I want you to imagine that that thing is meant. Just take a couple seconds and imagine. Walk around that. If it's some dumb bill that you know you got to pay, I want. You, how would you feel if that if that load was off you? You might go something like, "Whew! Oh my God! Oh, you know, you know what I mean." If it's something that you want, it just maybe over, overcome with joy. Yeah. So whatever that is, I want you to think about if. It was done. How would you respond to God right now? How would you respond? You got some responding to God music back there? (laughs) If it was done. If it was done. If it was done. Some of you might need a home, maybe. You may need a vehicle. You might have a nagging bill. No matter whatever the need is, you may need a job. You may need your business to, whatever that is. Maybe for your kids, maybe somebody else's need. But whatever that is, we believe we receive. Hallelujah. We believe we receive. And don't worry, whatever respond to God music you come up with, that's going to be good enough. We're going to make it work. So, so then I want you, you just keep meditating on how you would act if it was done. Yes. You keep, cause you got to, we're about to release it all at one time. Yes. We're going to do a one, two, three. When Pastor Ben give us this releasing, 
this this responding to God music. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna do one two three, and then we're gonna give a shout like we believe we receive we got it. I'm, I'm, I, I, now I got to work on mine. I'm talking to y'all too much. Let me work on mine because I got to work on my response. I'm ready for the music. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give y'all the one two three. Let it play. Yeah, that's a good. One. That's a good. One. That's a good.